I don't know about you, but I, I can't think of any area or aspect in life besides fantasy football where you get rewarded for not doing your job, right? When you join a fantasy football draft, you basically have one job to draft players. And when you don't do it, the way that these sites work is you get auto-picked the best available player, the player with the highest ADP. Please tell me how that makes sense. It doesn't make sense, I guess, but I think there's really no other solution for it. What if that guy was the best available player on that person's rankings that they imported into underdog, right? And what if he or she had to do something and they just put their phone down for 20 seconds and then they accidentally get auto-picked? You think they should be penalized for that? My question is, what is the solution? Because I can't think of a good solution to that problem. And I I just know that you're still on tilt from our uh, live stream on Monday where you got sniped like four times because the dude was auto drafting (laughs) yeah i am on tilt think about it like this like i'm I'm about to get takeout from a restaurant i've never been to i look at the reviews and everyone's saying that you know they have the best steak in town best filet mignon that you could that you could get but because i'm a clueless fool i order chicken tenders right they tell me the order will be ready in 30 minutes i show up three and a half hours late am i gonna get the best meal in the house Am I going to get what everybody recommends I should get because that it's what people have been ordering? Or are they going to give me some dirty ass dried up three hour old chicken tenders? That's what I think should happen. I think that you should get what is earned, which is nothing. You shouldn't be given the best available, right? If you're late to work, you don't get fired on the spot. You get written up. So first auto draft. All right, cool. Give them the best available player. If it happens twice, maybe they should get someone who's like 12 you know, 14, 15 picks deep. If it happens a third time, then I mean, you should just be getting players in the deep 200s. Like, I don't care if it's the fourth round. I want to see you get auto drafted Le'Veon Bell or Todd Gurley or Niall Davis, someone who's not even in the league. <laughs> so that's the solution, huh? Yeah. Accountability. That's the solution. So basically, what you're saying is if you enter for a draft, you should be sharp enough to at least have the rankings in there if you are going to go on auto draft is what I'm taking away. Yes, correct. If if you if you personally go through and edit all of your rankings and you know you've ranked all your players and maybe you set some roster limits, then I think that that's completely different because some people that's just the way that they they go about things. But that's not what I'm talking about, and I don't think that that's the majority of people. Uh, to yeah. be to be completely honest with yeah. you, either. No, it's it's not. So you think that people like us, when we register for a contest and then the contest fills, you have to give yourself that hour or 50 minutes to do the draft, do nothing else, make your picks on time. So you don't get mad at somebody for auto drafting. You know, we're big on accountability. Maybe you shouldn't have joined that draft. You know, you could have did something else with your time right? You got to look at it from both ways. Like, yeah, he was getting auto-drafted, but you chose to be in that draft. You chose to spend your time and your money on that specific draft at that specific moment in time in your life, and you just got the low end of variance. That's all that is. You know, you can't really be mad at the guy when it was ultimately your decision to click that register button and use that money in your account to play in that contest. If I get in my car 
am I accountable to assume that everybody driving beside me is sober? Or is there any responsibility on the people around me to do the right thing? I mean, there's responsibility for sure. But that's something that could always be in your head is you know that people in life in this world are not going to live by the same standards and morals as you. Like you might think drunk driving is bad, Mm -hmm. which it is, but another person might think it's okay. And, you know, that's just something that you have to understand as a person that not everybody's going to live up to the same standards and obligations that you might feel is right. That's just how it goes in life. I guess what I'm saying is what is right, not what I expect everybody to do. Okay. okay. Gotcha. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 150 of the DFS Dose podcast, your fix of daily fantasy sports information, strategy, and analysis. I'm your host, Ben Harvard, joined as I always am by Joey Carrion. And on today's show, we're going to be exploring how to utilize correlation in best ball on a level that's both basic yet wildly underutilized from what we've been seeing in our own experiences and our own drafts in the tournaments that we've been drafting up to this point. We'll go over ways that you can get ahead by familiarizing yourself with the fantasy playoff schedule, weeks 15 through 17 this year, and we'll close out the show with another edition of 1v1. If you're new to the podcast and like what you hear, you can support us by subscribing on whatever podcast platform you use, whether that be Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or Podcast Addict. And if you'd like to, you can find us on YouTube at the DFS Dose, where we are closing in on 200 subscribers and we produce fantasy content all week every week and live stream on Mondays. Joey, I'll let you kick this off. This was your idea and something that you've been really looking into lately in terms of correlating best ball rosters and optimizing them for the fantasy playoffs. Yeah, so it's it's been a thought of mine over the last couple of weeks that this could be a way to, you know, gain an edge on your opponents in best ball. This is probably more geared towards sites that have playoffs. So like Underdog, which they just released their $5 tournament, which we're going to be drafting a lot of entries into. Um, this is more geared towards that instead of drafters. Correlation is just is just huge, right? Especially in DFS, which we're originally a DFS podcast, and that's how you get an edge in DFS is by correlating your lineup. So if you stack a quarterback and wide receiver, you bring it back with another wide receiver or a tight end or, or whatever. And so I've just been thinking about that recently, and I'm trying to implement that into my drafting because I feel like other users on the app aren't taking that extra step to do so, right? Like if you stack the Cowboys, let's say you stack Dak Prescott with Gallup and, and CD Lamb, most people are like, oh, that, that's fine. That's a great stack, which, which it is, right? That's, that is correlation, but you could take it a step further, you know, look at the schedule, look at the playoff weeks, see what opponents the Cowboys are playing. You know, you look at those weeks and you can make tiebreakers between players for your stacks, you know, in, in the tier mm-hmm. that you're drafting in. So that's just something that I've been thinking about recently. And it's, it's just like, you need to hit on every single one of your players in basketball, right? And that's hard to do automatic, like automatically. That is very hard to do. So we want to minimize the amount of things that we have to get right. And I think one way that we can minimize it is by taking that extra step could be called galaxy braining to some folks, (laughs) but you take that extra step and you go look at the playoff weeks, which are more important 
than the regular season and you draft players that positively correlate with your team and that doesn't even have to be with your stacks that could be positive correlations between skill players just in on your team in general so if you draft you know let's say Allen robinson you can go and draft a wide receiver from a team that the bears play in week 15 or, or week 16 just stuff like that which ultimately reduces the amount of things you have to get right you know assuming that you hit on every pick right just something i've been thinking about and and maybe some of our listeners aren't as well versed in like dfs theory as we are but the like like i think you really alluded to it but just to clear it up a little bit like the reason why that makes so much sense and why bringbacks are so important because like say it's week 17 you've made it to the finals you've got your kansas city stack you've got tyreek hill and, and patrick mahomes well if that is going to be the winning stack and that game is going to go off and Patrick Mahomes is going to put up enough numbers to win you the league, win you this tournament. Well, it it stands to reason that at least somebody on the Bengals is going to also be putting up points. You know, whether it's a high scoring game or whether the Chiefs just blow them out, you know, one way or the other, the pass attempts are going to be higher or elevated for the opposing team. So we're going to see, you know, Higgins or Chase or Boyd or somebody put up big numbers. And, And I think that, like you said, it's minimizing the amount of things you have to get right. Now, what I think is important to not get lost in this point is that you don't want to be reaching on your correlations. Yes. Like you said it perfectly, it should be a tiebreaker in your established tiers. So for example, in that same scenario, I, I am coming into the back end of the fifth round or sixth round. I've got Patrick Mahomes. I've got Tyreek Hill. I'm looking at adding another wide receiver. Well, should I draft T Higgins or Odell Beckham? Maybe it's a 50-50 thing for me. These players are in the same tier. It makes a ton of sense in this spot to go with T Higgins just based off that correlation, just based off the fact that if this is going to be the winning team, then I'm expecting in week 17 for that game to hit and for T Higgins to be a potential part of it. Whereas, you know, Odell could hit, he still could hit, but it's just adding a whole nother layer of something that you have to get correct, which, you know, reduces your chances of getting everything correct, which you have to, to really ship one of these large field tournaments. And that's a perfect example of what I was saying, you know, T Higgins and Odell Beckham use the correlation as a tiebreaker. Like Ben mentioned, if Mahomes is going off and he's going to win you the tournament, that means somebody on the Bengals is going off as well if it's a high scoring game and that could be t higgins or or jamar chase you know depending what range you drafted and just use the correlations in your favor and not a lot of people are doing it and you could definitely tell from these drafts you know that we've been in that we've been streaming not a lot of people are taking this extra step to try and give themselves a bigger edge in these large field tournaments and i think that's just the next step in winning best ball tournaments is you know looking at these correlations and and uh figuring out what players correlate well with other players agree because as much as best ball is similar to redraft in the sense that you're you know drafting teams you're not fitting players into a salary cap i think the theories especially in tournaments is much more similar to dfs and we've talked about that a lot in the past and you know stacking is a concept that people have sort of taken from dfs and you know brought into best ball and it's been popularized and everybody you know every website or content creator anybody who talks about best ball talks about stacking but 
nobody's talking about bringbacks and these things go hand in hand you know they're directly related and and i think that what we can do right here is talk about maybe some of our favorite teams to stack and then take it a step further and look at some of the correlated bringbacks that maybe are going under the radar that our listeners can you know translate into actionable information to improve their drafts so we're going to talk about the top four teams right now that, that we're looking at and that we've been studying the schedule and, and sort of have come to a conclusion that these are the teams that are really set up well to explode in the playoffs. Uh, we're not going to include Kansas City in this because it's so self-explanatory and it's so expensive. I know that anybody out there listening to a fantasy podcast in early July or that have been listening to us, you know, they, they know to draft Kansas City and, and to target that stack. So we're going to go a little bit deeper. Not that this first one is a secret by any stretch, but the upside is immense. And Joey, it's the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, I honestly believe that the Cowboys are the best stack on the board besides Kansas City. You know, in every draft, it feels like you can easily get a Cowboys stack without reaching for it. All of the players have decent price tags. CeeDee Lamb, Amari Cooper are going in the third round right next to each other. Then you can come back in the fifth round and even the sixth round sometimes and get Dak Prescott. And then you can come back in the seventh and eighth round and get Michael Gallup, right? So pretty affordable prices for the Dallas Cowboys skill position players. And I mean, this is just going to be one of the high powered offenses in the NFL and their playoff schedule is pretty solid too. Uh, They play the Giants in week 15, Washington in week 16, which is a tough game. And then week 17, They play the Arizona Cardinals, which is probably going to be a great DFS game. And that is the finals week for best ball tournaments. So I could definitely see the Cowboys stack winning somebody a million dollars on underdog for sure. Yeah. And and, I mean, we've been pretty outspoken about our support for Dak Prescott as as a clear cut bounce back candidate. I mean, he only played five games last season, but he was averaging the most fantasy points per game of any quarterback in the league, more than Mahomes, more than Allen, more than Kyler. And I think that that's, that schedule sets up well. They, they have two home games, which is another thing we're looking at. It's hard to project, you know, point spreads and, and favorites and who are going to be the, the teams that have high implied team totals 70 days away from the NFL season and then, you know, a couple months on top for the playoffs. But we can look at, you know, teams that are playing multiple home games. Now, no team has three straight home games in weeks 15 through 17, but half of the teams in the league have two home games during that stretch. And I'll, I'll be posting a, a reminder of that in our Discord, which you guys can join for free if you'd like to, just with a list of the teams that have two home games out of those weeks 15 through 17. I think that that's something important to look at. But Dallas is one of those teams theoretically going against three high-powered offenses. The Giants, I know that we talked about Daniel Jones and disagreed about him, but in theory, there are a lot of easy bringbacks. So, you know, I've got my Cowboys stack going into the fifth round. I I could be looking at grabbing Kenny Galladay or even more affordably grabbing Sterling Shepard or or Darius Slayton super late. Evan Ingram in the mid-rounds is my tight end, and I think that it just makes all the sense in the world. And for their Week 16 game against Washington, you know, Antonio Gibson is usually there 
there in the beginning of the second round, which you could draft, and that positively correlates with a Dallas Cowboys stack, I think, uh, should be a close game, and it's in a dome too in Dallas, so I like that, and I, I think the team that I drafted yesterday on our stream is just a perfect example. I have Antonio Gibson, which I drafted at pick 16, so the ninth spot in the draft. I got C.D. Lamb, Dak Prescott, so a little correlation there for that week 16 game, and then I took Darius Slayton late for the Cowboys and Giants week 15 game. So those are just little things that you could look at and do in your best ball drafts to give you, you know, that edge that we're looking for in these tournaments. Love Darius Slayton, love Sterling Shepard, Kenny Galladay. Washington has a lot of bringbacks too that are affordable. Logan Thomas is going in the 10th round. Antonio Gibson, Terry McLaurin, Curtis Samuel, a lot of guys there. And then that Arizona game. That's, that's the game. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Um, and and we can sort of talk about this in conjunction because Arizona is another team that we have on this list and, and things for them are just setting up incredibly well as well for this final stretch of three games. Yeah. Arizona plays Detroit in week 15. They play at home against Indianapolis in week 16 and then on the road in Dallas for week 17, the finals. So Cardinals have a great playoff schedule this year. Love them as a stack. They're probably in my top two or three. You can get DeAndre Hopkins in the second round. You can get Kyler Murray in the same range as Dak Prescott. And we know that Kyler Murray is a great fantasy quarterback. You know, he was top five pretty much all year last season, immense rushing upside and a lot of, a lot of stackable options that are cheap as well. You know, if you want to go the dust AJ Green route, you can get him in the 16th round. If you want to go Chase Edmonds, who's a pass catching back, you can get him in the seventh round. Just a lot of guys to target for these playoff formats, especially in that Cardinals-Cowboys game. In the late draft spot, which isn't as favorable as it was in, in previous years, you can really build a very solid team based on these two teams in this one game in particular for the finals. Yeah, and it's not like you're necessarily reaching above ADP in that spot. You know, maybe you have to take DeAndre Hopkins over Calvin Ridley, but yeah, I mean, that's a toss up as it is, right? These are two players with very comparable ranges of outcomes, floors and ceilings. So, you know, say, say you, you know, leave the second round with DeAndre Hopkins and you come back in the third round and grab CD Lamb. Well, now you're just in a perfect position because you can just wait and let either Dak Prescott or Kyler Murray fall to you and you've got a stack and a bring back built in depending on how the draft falls and which value presents itself to you in a better spot so I mean that is going to be you know sort of like a three-player correlation that I'm going to be looking to really start to exploit in these upcoming drafts yeah I definitely agree that it's you know a trio that I'm going to start targeting as well and honestly even if you don't get the quarterbacks you know say you're in a draft where people are reaching out quarterbacks in the third and fourth round which I have seen you still have that positive correlation between two high upside wide receivers so you know not all hope is lost if your quarterbacks get taken if you still got D Hop and CD Lamb or Amari Cooper that is still a correlation that is going to give you an edge because just other people aren't thinking about that and aren't doing that so you don't even need the quarterbacks like like i mentioned before 
as long as you have the skill position players that positively correlate you're you're going to be in good shape and especially in a high scoring game like cardinals and cowboys game at the end of the season like that that's probably gonna have the highest over under for any game that week yeah absolutely let's keep it moving we do have two more teams that we've really identified with really strong playoff finishes and one of them is the atlanta falcons yeah i love the falcons playoff schedule they do have a tough game against the Niners who should bounce back from last season. You know, they're going to get players back on the defense coming off of injuries and they drafted Trey Lance. So that that should be a tough game for Atlanta. But then in week 16, they play the Lions at home. And then in week 17, they travel to Buffalo to play a high powered Bills offense and you know, they just play two teams in the Niners and Bills where we're drafting a lot of these guys, you know, in the top five rounds. And we're also drafting some Falcons guys in the top five rounds as well. So if you're in the range where you could draft, you know, Calvin Ridley in the second round and then come back in the in the fifth round and get Ayuk, I, I like that a lot. Or, you know, if you're in the range where you can get Diggs and Josh Allen and you can sprinkle in Kyle Pitts in there and you have that correlation as well. So I like a Falcon stack. They should be losing. That means a lot of pass attempts for Matt Ryan, a lot of targets for Calvin Ridley, Kyle Pitts, even Russell Gage. This is one team that I, I'm going to start targeting as well. And we know that wide receiver ones on opposing teams and games have the highest rate of positive correlation, but it also goes to running backs as well. So it doesn't just necessarily have to be Calvin Ridley and Brandon Ayuk or Debo Samuel or whatever. You know, maybe you have Calvin Ridley coming out of the second round, and then in the seventh or eighth, you're looking at Trey Sermon or Raheem Mostert. You know, it doesn't need to be a stone shootout for that correlation to hit. You know, the the, the 49ers and their elite defense could come back and, and they could be leading and Trey Sermon's rushing all over the Falcons and their garbage run defense. Well, you know, they're <laughs> going to be playing catch up in that game. And that means 12 targets for Calvin Ridley. And you're sailing yep. to the money, advancing to week 15 in that spot. Yep, for sure. I, I, I actually do like that a lot. You know, targeting Sermon or Mostert if you have Calvin Ridley or Kyle Pitts. I, I like that correlation a lot and just with the bills as well i find myself targeting a lot of the cheaper atlanta guys when i stack josh allen and Diggs, which i've done quite a bit over the last week or so i find myself drafting russell gage you know in, in the 12th round or wherever he's going i find myself drafting uh olimide zacchaeus with my last pick just because i want that positive correlation on my team so I really like the Falcons and the Bills game stack for the final week, but I also do like the 49ers and the Falcons game for the first week. We talked a bit about the 49ers there, and they are the last team in our top four here of teams that we're targeting for these playoff weeks. Yeah, the 49ers probably have the best schedule in the NFL. Like they play the AFC South, so they have games against the Texans, Jags, shit, even the Titans have an atrocious defense and their playoff schedule specifically is at home versus Atlanta. Then they go on the road against Tennessee and then they play at home versus Houston. It would not surprise me one bit to see a Trey Lance, George Kittle stack be the winning stack on underdog. Would not surprise me one bit. Phenomenal matchups. There's great bringbacks on the Falcons. Great bringbacks on the Titans. So I'm just loving this Niner stack. I have a lot of Trey Lance. Don't have much George Kittle, which is unfortunate. But 
have a lot of IU though, and I, I don't know. I, I think this Niners stack could be the million dollar winner. It could, and and it's affordable, right? Because I mean, you can get Trey Lance really at any point. Um, you know, if you're willing to take him in the tenth round there, and and some of these stacks just line up perfectly, like Brandon Cooks. You don't have to reach for him. You can easily correlate George Kittle and AJ Brown, for example. Like these are two guys that are frequently going around the same area, sort of that two three turn. So you know, you start off with McCaffrey or, or Dalvin Cook at the, at the top of that draft, and then you know you're looking between a couple guys. You maybe you take Kittle in the second round, and you've got your choice between DK Metcalf and AJ Brown there coming in the third round. Why not just go with the correlated play? Why not go with the play that makes a lot of sense that could advance you from week sixteen to the finals come the underdog championships yep i i definitely agree so i think we're all aboard the 49ers train uh very affordable guys Ayuk's going in the fifth debo samuel is going later than him trey lance is going in the 10th round or so really the only expensive guy is george kittle for the niners so it's not like you have to reach on these guys like you mentioned and i just think the bringbacks are incredible with the titans guys you know you mentioned aj brown you get him at the turn Julio falls you could get him you can get ridley at the turn if you get lucky probably not anymore or you can get kyle pitts if, if he falls which he has quite a bit recently so a lot, a lot of potential bringbacks uh for this Niners stack and a lot of positive correlation between all these teams that we have mentioned so and before we move on uh to the next bit of this show I, I just want to sort of look back at these four teams Dallas Arizona Atlanta and San Francisco and, and point out that another aspect is that they all have a very like narrow tree of of targets right like we know where these targets are going on these teams we know the three receivers in Dallas are going to account for almost all of the targets we know that DeAndre Hopkins is the main target hog in Arizona Atlanta has only Calvin Ridley Kyle Pitts and maybe a couple of ancillary options San Francisco Kittle Debo Ayuk and then what it's it's just these guys. So these are very clear pieces that you can go after and that we know are going to be getting uh you know the majority of all the targets from these passing attacks yep and i think those are the offenses that you do want to target right you want to know where the ball is going on a specific play so if there's only two or three players involved in the offense and all of the guys are affordable like it makes it very easy to stack these teams and get the bring back so i i truly do believe that you know one of these four teams obviously include Kansas City. One of those five teams will be the winning stack that you're going to need to win a million dollars. Yep, I I couldn't agree more. Uh, Before we move on to our 1v1 for this week, I I just wanted to take a quick second to look at some of the top tier bringbacks, teams that maybe the stacks in themselves don't have enough upside to win, or maybe they don't have quite a, a clean of run of games, but they they are in positions where they're going to make a lot of sense to target for for bringbacks. Um, and, and like for example, the Lions, right? Like I, I think it's a pretty uh, long shot chance that it's going to be a Jared Goff to Brashad Perryman or, or T.J. Hawkinson <laughs> stack that chips the Millie, but. The Lions in weeks 15 through 17 play the Cardinals, the Falcons, and the Seahawks, like actual elite offenses that all have the opportunity to put up monster games. And if you have a Seattle stack, yeah, maybe you should target TJ Hawkinson in the fifth round or or vice versa with any of these Arizona or Atlanta players. And there are a few teams, I think, that are in situations like this where maybe the upside themselves isn't high, but we should be looking at them in regards to the fact that maybe they'll be putting up boosted weeks because of their opponents in those weeks yeah for sure 
I definitely do like the Lions as kind of like a, a sneaky bring back team. Like you mentioned, they're playing the Falcons, Seahawks, and Cardinals, which are three teams that have not so great defenses, but great offenses. So they should be in those game scripts where we could see Jared Goff throw the ball 40 times. And, you know, in Detroit, I think there's a narrow tree of guys that are going to see targets there as well. You know, you got Hawk. You got DeAndre Swift, who's going in the fourth round now. And then you got like Brashad Perryman and Tyrell Williams and the rookie. But other than that, there, there's nobody else there. One of these guys has to hit, right? Like one of these guys has to catch passes and score touchdowns for the Lions. So I, I do like targeting the Lions players. They are all very affordable, especially the wide receivers in Perryman and Tyrell Williams. You know, you got to kind of pay for Hawkinson in the sixth round and the opportunity cost might be kind of high with the wide receivers that are there, but it definitely makes sense if you come out of the first five rounds with a Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins stack, right? Or you come out with Calvin Ridley or or Kyle Pitts, you know, you could target Swift or Hawkinson or or whomever out of those two. makes all the sense in the world. So honestly, they're probably the number one bring back team because this schedule is amazing it is and yeah it's absolutely amazing uh who's another team that you like uh in terms of being a top tier bring back team yeah i think another team is the Bengals, and i know there's a lot of analysts out there that like the Bengals stack period and we do too it is a very solid stack with joe burrow jamar chase t higgins tyler boyd joe mixon a lot of guys there a lot of talent on the offense but For the playoffs, I mean, the Bengals have some tough matchups, but, you know, there's offenses that they play that have players going in the top six rounds. Like they play the Ravens in week 16 and Lamar's getting drafted high. Uh, Mark Andrews, Hollywood Browns up there, but they play the Chiefs in week 17, which is the finals. And that game is projected to be one of the highest totaled games on the slate could see 80, 90 pass attempts total in that game. So I like targeting Jamar Chase and and, uh, T Higgins on teams where, you know, I have Tyreek Hill or Travis Kelsey. Basically, the scenario that we outlined earlier would be my ideal scenario with the Bengals, just using these guys as as correlations with my team uh, rather than full on stacking them. Yep. Couldn't agree more. I've got one more that I want to include in this list, Joey. I don't know. Tell me if I'm bugging. This might be the team that we've talked the least about on on this podcast up to this point in the season, but the Houston Texans. I I don't know. Their their week 15 through 17 is looking low-key tasty. (laughs) It it, it definitely is. Um, They have a very good first game against the Jacksonville Jaguars in week 15 in Jacksonville. Then they play at home against the Chargers in week 16, and then they go on the road to play the Niners in week 17. And it's just another Lions situation where these are teams that we want to stack in the Niners and the Chargers. Even the Jags is is kind of a popular stack too with Trevor Lawrence. Um, and the Texans should be losing in these games and their players are very affordable, but I don't think they're as good as the Lions. No, I agree. It's definitely a tear down, but I I, I just like the Texans and the fact that a lot of these guys are, are running backs that we're drafting too. I mean, we're taking two running backs from Jacksonville in, in the top eight rounds. We're taking two running backs from the 49ers in the top eight rounds. We're taking Austin Eckler as a fringe first, second round pick. 
And, you know, the Texans are almost certainly going to be losing in every game they play this season, right? So so we know that if they're losing and these running backs are snapping in these games, maybe, you know, on teams that you land James Robinson, that you land Austin Eckler, that you land Trey Sermon, that that might be a spot where you target Brandon Cooks. Or if you don't want to target Brandon Cooks, you go with Nico Collins in the 16th, 17th round. And it just makes sense. Um, you know, we've kind of talked about it as much as we can at this point. We've made we've made the point that it should be a tiebreaker, not a reaching situation. But this is just yeah. something that I really do think people are not looking at. And if they do, uh, could really provide an edge for them come the playoffs. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. Um, it's just another level of thought that you can put into your lineups and into your drafting that can give you an edge over the field. But maybe people should just wait like another month to to start implementing it so we can just get all of the good action mm-hmm. right now yeah and so we can win the money yeah because you know we, we gotta win the money yeah no agree with that definitely yeah. agree with that <laughs> maybe i won't put this podcast out for like a month and a half let's <laughs> <laughs> keep it keep it in keep the, it in the top <laughs> keep it in the drop box <laughs> oh man all right let's let's uh let's close out the show with a little 1v1 you know yeah, stopping all the laughs. It's time to get serious. It's time to go mano y mano. You know, Benny H from New York versus JDC, aka Big Joe. One v one. Let's let's get into it. <laughs> all right, this week. We're going to keep it with the team that we were just speaking about, the Houston Texans, and with a player that we've long disagreed about on this podcast. I'm actually shocked that we're still talking about it. I thought that I'd basically won this debate last year, but I guess we can rehash it. I'll go first this time, Joey. Brandon Cooks. I don't know what this man has to do to prove to you that he is the one, but he is the one. It doesn't matter what team he's on. It doesn't matter what situation he's in. We talked about it to death last year. You know, I can't remember how many times I countlessly said that Brandon Cooks is a 1,000-yard machine. He, he'd done it going into last season. He'd put up four 1,000-yard seasons out of the five that he played 14 or more games in, and he did so across three different teams. Doesn't matter the quarterback. Doesn't matter. He's putting up 1,000. Now, he's done it in five out of the six times that he's played 14 or more games. He did it with Houston, just like I knew he would. 81 for 1,150 yards, six touchdowns with the Texans. Will Fuller leaves, and all the targets leave with him. Cooks was wide receiver 17 in points per game. He is currently going as the wide receiver 45 on underdog. If that is not a stone value, I don't know what is. (laughs) And when we talk about a thousand yards, right? Like, what does that mean? Is he just compiling stats? Is Is it meaningless? No, because not only does he have a high floor putting up 12 and a half points or more in nine out of the 15 games that he played last season, he's also got a monster ceiling, four games with over 20 points and two over 30. Solid floor, monster ceiling, Brandon Cooks, the most disrespected player in the NFL year after year. It's time to start drafting him. I I rest my case. Now, can I ask how much Brandon Cooks you have? About 2%. But it's time (laughs) to start drafting him, huh? It is. I I wasn't before, but I am now. After that, I feel like that just invalidates everything that you just said. I'm coming around to it. You have 2% of this supposedly underappreciated wide receiver in the NFL. That's great. No. See, the thing with Brandon Cooks is, yeah, he, he's he been solid 
throughout his career. But he's really only been that 12 points per game guy, that 13 points per game guy. Like most of his production last year came from three games in, in fantasy, right? Like, yeah, solid floor, but the ceiling for most of the year wasn't there. You could spin it in the positive light that you did. He does have 39 points in his range of outcomes, 30 points, etc. But that was with Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson most likely isn't going to play for Houston in 2021. His quarterback is going to be Tarah Taylor. Okay. A bona fide scrub. Wow. Yeah. Bon- <laughs> Bonafide scrub in Tyrod Taylor takes over now. The Houston Texans roster in general just got worse. And they're just going to be the worst team in the NFL. Probably would expect them to win zero games. Like I I would bet on them going 0-17. But obviously you can say that's a good thing for the pass catchers, you know, more volume or potential volume, I should say. But I, I just think that the Texans are going to just be a tank team. They're going to rotate at wide receiver with Nico Collins, Randall Cobb, who is making like $10 million for some reason, Kiki Cootie. They have Jordan Akins. They have the running backs, which will probably be featured in the offense with David Johnson, Philip Lindsay, uh, Mark Ingram. So just an offense that I want no parts of. I will say wide receiver 45. If he plays 17 games, he'll probably beat that. Like, I'm not saying that, but he's just he's just a guy that'll most likely get you 12, 13 points per game, which will make your lineup some weeks. I will say that it will make your lineup some weeks, but I just don't see the upside with what the Texans are going to be trotting out in 2021. Very, very bad situation for the skill position players on the Texans. Yeah, look, let me just offer a quick rebuttal. Now, the reason, and, and this is some galaxy brain shit, I mean, but I guess that's the theme of the podcast. The reason that I I have little Brandon Cooks up to this point is because I have just an insane amount of foresight, Joey. So like I knew that players like Mike Williams and, and Michael Gallup that you were drafting in the ninth, tenth round a couple of months ago, I needed to get those shares while they were cheap because now they've risen. These guys are seventh round picks now. Nobody's going to get hype about Brandon Cooks in the coming months. I, I could have waited until now, and now I'm shifting my ninth round attention to Brandon Cooks. That's why I said now is the time to draft him. It wasn't the time to draft him then because his price isn't going to fluctuate. Nobody's going to get hype about him. So now is the time that these other players that I have substantial exposure to, now that their price is rising, now it's time to get back on the Brandon Cooks bandwagon. Part two of my rebuttal. You called Tarod Taylor a bona fide scrub. First of all, that's absolutely disrespectful. Second of all, you're you're clearly discounting the drive and the rage that Tarod Taylor is going to bring to the field after his team paid the doctor to puncture this man's lung and get Justin Herbert on the field. Imagine the rage in his heart as he's going to be coming on the field, you know, hopefully with a, a team that won't do him so shady this year, and, and he's going to be motivated like you can't even believe. And it, it's not like he can't produce fantasy viable wide receivers 2015 in the Bills, Sammy Watkins had over a thousand yards and nine touchdowns. Six years ago. When's he had a chance since then? Yeah, because he's the guy that produces elite quarterbacks. You start Tarah Taylor if you want your next quarterback to be elite, which is Davis Mills. Okay. And I would even better get him in there. Brandon Cooks is going for two thousand yards. 
I I don't I don't think he's going for two thousand. That is not in his range of outcomes. Just as a player, Cooks is he's just going to be a guy that gets you five catches. 70 yards a week probably won't score many touchdowns i could see the texans scoring like 10 touchdowns total the entire (laughs) year so a lot of mouths to feed or a lot of potential competition i should say on the texans terrible team gonna be losing in every game bad head coach signing texans are are just a disgrace of a franchise just no thank you uh I, i would be slightly interested if watson was there but we know what he's dealing with. So no, no, thank you on cooks. Not interested in Tarah Taylor. I mean, I, I'm interested in Davis Mills, honestly, but no, no Taylor, no cooks, just Davis Mills to Nico Collins is, uh-huh. is the thing I'm rooting for. Got you. Got you. I mean, I will say on like a zoomed out perspective, fading Texans is probably going to be a winning strategy this season. Yeah. Except, you except for Brandon. <laughs> you don't say all right i think that is going to be it for episode 150 of the dfs dose podcast if you're not already make sure you are following us on twitter we are less than 15 followers away from 1000 you can find us at the dfs dose as well as our personal twitters i am at ben hover joey's at joey carrying dfs New episodes of the podcast drop every Thursday on Spotify, Apple, SoundCloud, and every other podcast platform on the internet. We'll be back next week on Thursday, July 15th with episode 151. If you ever care to draft with us and maybe implement some of the things we talked about this week, we live stream drafts every Monday on the YouTube channel, Twitch, and Twitter. You can also join our Discord channel for a heads up on when we plan to go live so you can jump in, chat, draft, and chill with us we always welcome the interaction if you're listening out there just know that we appreciate you we value you until next time let's stay accountable and keep it authentic Bye.